Is that what you're saying? Well, what I'm saying is if, if, we, if we identify ourselves as fundamentalists and people start to change the, the understanding of that word in culture to mean a right. bad thing, we right. shift to saying we're conservative Christians. <laughs> right. And then they start to change the definition of that word to mean a bad thing. And then yeah, let's say yeah. we, we change the word conservative to something else, you know, uh, laser squirrel. I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome once again to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm Thomas here, as always, with my good friend Daniel. Hello there. Hey, how's it going? Going, going well, going well. Uh, we're recording we're... in the morning. Yeah, so if we sound froggy at all, I don't know, <laughs> or unusually alert, I don't. Maybe that that's the. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know I, that I'm ever alert morning or afternoon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> always foggy. <laughs> it's probably good for me now. I I had the I had the unique privilege this morning of running with my wife, which I haven't done in a long time. So right now the blood might be pumping pretty good, but. Yeah. Uh, but in a little while, I might need a nap too. Hey, so running with be... your wife beats running from your wife. So <laughs> that's that, uh... right. The ancient proverbs. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right. So um, what have uh, we're both we're both busy, as you said before. Um, what uh, what's going on with you? Well, I am looking at my final black belt test this week. Oh yeah, right. Yep. Um, yeah, so right now I'm kind of taking the next several days easy, just uh, not doing anything okay. too strenuous, just breaking a light sweat the next several days, Okay. Um, cutting out all salt mostly just to try and keep any inflammation down. Okay. Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, doing a little bit of carb loading. Wow. Getting ready for the final so, test. So by the time we have our next episode... We should have some big news there, huh? Uh, I would hope so. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's the, uh, fantastic. We we got these boot camp T-shirts that um, I designed and and had printed. Oh yeah, because every boot camp class seems to do that, and and we're down to four boot campers. We started with I think six. And okay. We're down to four, and we of course have a twenty-eight week long boot camp, which normal <laughs> boot camp is twelve weeks. <laughs> 20 <laughs> and so the the t-shirt says you know uh it says the legendary boot camp of 2020 on it y yes and uh it says train to infinity on it <laughs> there you go <laughs> and, right, go ahead you know, they they told us not to wear our new t-shirts to to the the final test because they will probably end up torn yes okay so, so um, it's going to get physical. <laughs> there, there's there's a lot that is secretive about the final test, but the word on the street is that um, it, it's it's borderline a hazing at the end. <laughs> I don't want to worry anybody who might be listening. I'm sure I'll be fine. They they do try to keep everyone safe and you know partner preservation and all that. But uh, there's but some it may not hurt stuff. if I find a backup. Uh, co-host for next yeah week. you you might you might have to start looking no no. Oh boy. <laughs> no i'm sure i'll be fine hopefully only mild injuries <laughs> but, <laughs> wow yeah that's that's big news yeah yeah okay well we'll pray for you i'd appreciate that <laughs> yep yep i'm serious yeah so 
As we jump in, um, do we have any listener feedback or questions that we ought to tackle first? Uh, we do. We have okay. a couple things here. And I'll start with this one. And this is from a patron who wrote into us a while back asking a question on behalf of his daughter on witnessing to a family member that they believe might not be saved. Okay. Um, however, yes. the, uh-huh. the family member purported to be saved. Yes. But they just weren't exhibiting any evidence in their life, so it was concerning to this mm-hmm. patron's daughter uh, and to, to him, I'm sure. Um, <clears throat> and he, he writes some follow-up here, and the subject is, thank you. He says... Hi, Thomas and Daniel. A couple of episodes back, I had written you on my daughter's behalf concerning a family member who claims salvation but doesn't seem to exhibit any evidence of a changed life. We would like to say thank you for the in-depth discussion as well as the recommendation to read through 1 John. We also very much enjoyed reading through Dean and Sarah's book, The Unsaved Christian, per your suggestion, and I would highly recommend it myself. I'm very pleased to share that my daughter has, uh, name redacted here, (laughs) my daughter Mm, has had a change of mind and heart when it comes to approaching this family member. While she still believes the person may not be saved, she is now looking for opportunities to ask both direct and indirect questions, approaching this person with a heart of love and compassion, while at the same time not excusing or glossing over their sin. Thanks again, Jason and, name redacted, his daughter. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. Thank you for the uh, the feedback there, Jason. Um, we we're glad that that worked out well. So. Yep. And I just you know it, it, just a step at a time. You just sense discern, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, in this interaction. And as you just as as she's sensitive to the Holy Spirit, she will be the influence that God wants her to be. Yeah. And um, you know, um, and so. You can keep praying for that family member and just, yeah, take it as it comes. But it, but it is good, isn't it, to have a kind of a strategy going into it as well yeah. to say, how might I answer that question or how could I, uh, how could I uh, approach that? So anyway, sure. thank you for the thank you for the note there and the update. Yeah, praise the Lord. Um, here's some more feedback from a patron, and this is from Matthew. And uh, he says, great episode, having grown up under Pastor Fox's ministry. Um, <laughs> you, you know this patron. Yes. <laughs> I, know, I know this patron. <laughs> <laughs> um, for, for the record, I am married to this patron's sister. So ah, yes, yes. <laughs> in case anyone doesn't know. <laughs> um, but he says, having grown up under Pastor Fox's ministry, I believe that he struck a good balance of not showing favoritism yet still having close relationships with certain people in the church. So this episode was especially neat for me to hear. To be honest, if Pastor Fox had not been a close friend through all of those years, I probably would not be where I am today. It seems that people often focus on not showing favoritism, yet don't stop to think how offensive it would be if someone tried to draw close but got stiff-armed all the time. After (laughs) uh, After all, didn't Jesus have 12 close friends? and weren't some of those closer to Jesus than others. It also seems that Jesus had a close friendship with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I agree that a pastor must be very careful not to show favoritism, but it shouldn't be impossible to still have close friends. Jesus seems to have pulled it off quite well. Hmm. Well, well, thank good. you. Thank you for the Matthew. feedback yes. there, Matthew. Yes. <laughs> 
Uh, speaking of patrons, um, we would like to thank all of you, our patrons, for your generous support of this podcast. That is one of the things that helps keep us going and uh, keep the lights on here at Reason Together. <laughs> That's figure of speech, not literally. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we do appreciate that. If you would like to become a patron, a supporter of this content, you can do that over at patreon.com slash reason together. Again, that's patreon.com slash reason together and choose any one of our membership tier levels there. And uh, I think you'll have a good time with it. Um, as so as we jump in, there's one um, there's one or two questions that I'm interested in, but anything else anything that you're wanting to start with in particular? Um sure. There's this one here. This might be a, a quick one at the outset here. Uh, my wife and I were recently reading some book reviews, uh, kind of uh -huh. shopping for a particular book, and you know, you read reviews on it and so forth. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple things that kind of alarmed me at first. Maybe alarmed is too strong a word. I was kind of disturbed by it. Um, mm -hmm. the, the book was is is uh, I don't know that I'll get into the subject material necessarily. I want to talk more about the reviews. Um, there were several times that reviewers used the word conservative in regards to this Christian author. Okay. And in and two different reviewers, presumably not in any relation to each other, used the word conservative in the same way. Mm -hmm. They used it like an insult, like a negative thing. <laughs> uh, you know, saying things like... Um, you know, the, you know, the book written from, a, unfortunately written from a conservative perspective or something, or this is a, unfortunately a conservative Christian or something like that. Um, I don't remember the exact quotation, but the idea is that they used it almost breathlessly as if the word conservative is a bad thing. Uh -huh. And I got to wondering if maybe there are some uh, critics of, let's just use the term conservative Christianity, who are using conservative the wrong way. And, and perhaps they're using it in the same way that it's thought of in the political sphere today. You know, I mean, uh, for instance, people on the left are, are they, they can't imagine why someone would be conservative. <laughs> and the way That's... that they view it oftentimes, at least if you listen to their explanations or read any of their articles, Lord help us. Um, the, the way that they use the word is, why would you conserve archaic and outdated and oppressive principles. And conservatives are saying, we call and ourselves... By, by conserve, meaning almost like preserve? Preserve, like yes. maintain them? Okay. Yes. Okay. But yet conservatives often, politically conservative people, often will say the same thing, but mean something different. They'll say, we believe in conserving certain things. Hmm. But yet they're both using the word in a similar way, but they mean different things by it. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if people... Not uncommon, I'm sure. <laughs> right. I, yes. I wonder if people are doing the same thing. For instance, more... Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? More maybe ecumenical or liberal uh, or professing Christians even might use the word conservative. Like, why would anyone be conservative? Why would you conserve that? Shouldn't we progress? Right? And be progressive. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I just had a thought about that or a question, really. You know, how do we define a conservative Christian? And should we even use that term? 
Yeah, well, and that's that's great because that's fun. And for our listeners, if somebody, you know, kind of uses that as an epithet or whatever, well, you're a conservative, uh, just say, well, that's interesting. You know, what what do you mean by that? Because really you need to unpackage what they mean uh, and, and then actually talk about the substantive issue. And so I appreciate uh, the question. And the way, and really it has to be a personal question because what they meant by it, well, I, I get the idea sort of what they, I think I know what they mean by it. Um, but here's my take on it is I wouldn't have necessarily, well, I guess I'd have taken a similar thought to what you're saying. When you say conserve archaic um, principles, I would basically tie it to a matter of what we call standards. Um, and someone who holds uh, more and stricter standards is conservative. Someone who sees more liberty, um, or maybe you'd say liberality, in mm-hmm. the standards is is not a conservative. That's kind of the way I would take it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I, I myself yeah, am not defining conservative Christian as someone who holds to archaic things. No, um, right. I'm, I'm saying that's oftentimes the way that the word is slung at us if we call ourselves conservative Christians. So basically, is there a way for us to identify that, yeah, we, we do believe in being conservative, but how, how do we better define that for people? Yeah, because honestly, as, as it, it applies to what I think it applies to, it's really not a good term. Because um, I, I can understand, like, like politically speaking, conservative might be, and we have a conservative view of government meaning we, we restrict government, we look for smaller government as opposed to a liberal um, view. And, and, I'm, and, and it's pro- maybe I'm even using that wrong, but that's kind of what comes to my mind. But in talking, about, um, in, in talking about standards, I guess conservative still applies. Um, and and I, so, so to me, it would, it would I don't, devolve is not the right word, but it would progress, it would evolve into a conversation very quickly uh, about, uh, about standards. If you said to somebody, now what do you mean by, the, the, by I'm conservative? What's the difference between us? I would imagine in, in, in my mental conversation here, uh, they would say something, well, look at our music, the way that we dress, the things that you guys won't do. You know, you're so conservative. Well, what they mean by that is that we draw different boundaries and I like the, uh, I really like this scenario when we're talking about standards, um, is that the standard really isn't the end. Uh, right. it's, it's a means to an end. Right. Um, I love the scenario of cliffs and fences. Yeah. Um, and the cliff is the problem and the fence is, is merely my safeguard against going off the cliff and, and people draw their boundaries and, and raise their fences at different at varying degrees from from the yeah. cliff, and in their mind, they're more liberal in that their boundaries are further out. They have more freedom to do more things. Yeah. We are more conservative and thus more strict, and 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 limit ourselves in our ability to do certain things that they perceive are fine. Well, in some ways, that may be true. Yeah. Well, would you say also though that the idea of a standard is not just for personal safety, whether spiritual or otherwise? Um, that True. in a sense, uh, we we are trying to be as respectful as possible 
to the spirit of of the law, if I could say it that way, or uh, the lawgiver, <laughs> really. Um, well, yes, yeah. It, in in our minds, uh, it, it ought to be, I, and I don't know that this that this is for everybody, but it ought to be, yeah, some expression um, of of our understanding of, like you say, the heart the heart of the lawgiver, or a um, yeah, a reflection of him, a knowledge of him, yeah. and it kind of emanates from that. It's not. I was just talking with somebody. In fact, I was talking to one of our listeners on Sunday, and I forgot to write this question down. Um, but kind of about this uh, this issue of standards, and it's not. I'm not spiritual because I have standards, mm-hmm. you know. But but standards can emanate from from being filled with the Spirit. You know what I mean? Sure. That I that I know the Lord and I love the Lord, and therefore I set certain guidelines for myself. But setting the guidelines arbitrarily doesn't make me have a better relationship with the Lord. And that has to be remembered, though I don't know that, you know, I, I think there are many out there who are, they're given this set of, set of you know, parameters, and you do that and you'll be godly. Right. No, not really. Well, I um, mean, the, the classic example, and I think we had a whole episode on this once, mm-hmm. uh, is on the, the, the Christian music debate. Um, and there are a number of authors out there that write about the evils of contemporary Christian music. And I don't disagree, um, but mm-hmm. they don't ever really talk about the heart of the issue, which is not the music. Mm-hmm. And what you end up with is people who avoid contemporary Christian music and think that they're great for doing so. Uh-huh. Um, they, they but feel they like, may still have a heart that wants it and, and right. wants to be part of the world. Exactly. Because, I mean, the, we would say the music, the choice of worldly music is is not what is causing the problem it is the result of the problem it's the symptom yeah, i mean it it becomes a vicious cycle but yes right. i see what you're saying yeah it's, yes. it's the symptom not primarily the cause uh referring to the the worldly music that oftentimes christians adopt it's really a symptom of a deeper issue um so yes. to avoid the music in and of itself you're kind of not hitting you're not striking at you're the root sa- Right, and I've and I've mentioned to uh, we have an intern this summer, a music intern, and in one of our discussions, I said, uh, uh, you know, you could start off, or I've maybe even started off a talk on music like this before. Um, if God wanted you to change your music, would you be willing to do that? You know, something like that, because if the answer is no then we're really wasting our time uh-huh. uh, because I could talk till I'm blue in the face. And if you're not really willing to change, what are we talking for? Right, um, right. But if you're, if you're really openly, if you're, if you're coming to it with an open heart saying, Lord, I do want to learn. And if there is something here that is convincing, it's compelling, then I do want to take that into consideration and, and, and you know, uh, tweak my music or my, my preferences or whatever, my, my tastes accordingly. Um, and so then, and then, then it's you know left to me yeah. to make a compelling logical argument. But but the first first question is, would you change if if there was one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. And see, to, the heart of the issue. to get back to the original yeah. question, how the the music thing applies to this, if we choose then to use sacred music in church, and and we we denig- not denigrate that wrong word, we uh, decry the the world's musical style, and we do that, people mm-hmm. would call us conservative Christians. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. And they would use it in a negative sense, saying that we're looking to preserve archaic things and we're refusing to move forward. But yet we would say the exact same thing that, well, yeah, we are looking to preserve some things and there is a direction we're not wanting to move. 
<laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And we would, we would, you know, in our feeling, we would point the other direction and say they're wanting to be uh, liberal and enjoy some things that that wouldn't be. Uh, how do we put it? I have to word this right. Anyway, yeah, we would we would see. And so it really does come back to the matter of yeah. kind of for maybe lack of a better term, standards are well, boundaries. I guess the point I'm driving more. at is the definition of conservative Christian, whether it's a bad definition or a good definition, depends on who it is that's stating it. Do you feel like the ones when they're stating... Oh, okay, you mean whether it's good or bad is is by the person stating it. Right. I mean, it's almost the same definition, but they're using it in a negative context yes, versus a positive. Okay, exactly. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean it's it's understandable because um you know when when and that goes and that and that's something I'm still honestly thinking through is a, a perception of other people's uh boundaries. You know, is it uh is it okay uh to say you know they can still be godly and believe something different. Um you know what I mean? Anyway, mm-hmm. that's, that's it's something Dim- I'm thinking yeah. through. But um, uh, but that's not surprising, I guess, that somebody looking at your res- more restrictive uh, set of parameters that you put on your life or ministry um, is going to be like, ah, that's a bad thing, mm-hmm. you know? And obviously, yeah. being convinced the other direction, we look and go, well, yours is a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me give you a little bit of the context uh, to kind of maybe further enrich the discussion here. Um, okay. The context was in the context of book reviews regarding a book that had to deal with uh, a a biblical philosophy of the husband-wife relationship, particularly okay. with emphasis on the wife. It was written by a woman for women. And the reviewers were saying this this writer uh, is is very is a conservative Christian. She's writing from the standpoint of a conservative, and then proceeded to then uh, tear apart the book. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so when we think about the way that they're using the word conservative, I, I see in some ways some parallels with the way that the word fundamentalist has evolved. I thought the same thing, yes. And for instance, I mean, I, I'm not opposed to saying that we are fundamental. Um, however, I would say we are more than fundamental. Yeah, I wouldn't right. put us Way just more. in the box of fundamental. I think that's too limited. Uh, I think it is, uh, it is too, too um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's too reductive uh, to say, yeah, we, we yes, have these good. four or five or six fundamental things. And as long as we all believe those four or five or six things, we can fellowship together. That's basically what fundamentalism is in a nutshell, right. though a uh-huh. whole host of discussions could be had about it. It is in its very nature reductive. And I don't really feel like we should be reductive about the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. In other words, mm-hmm. see what I can shave right. away for the sake of fellowship. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should do that. Um, so for for several, for a number of years now, th- I have noticed somewhat of a subtle shift in how people use the word fundamentalist. Many mm-hmm. people who used to identify themselves as fundamentalists are, are you know, independent fundamental Baptists. They're, they're now simply saying, I'm independent Baptist, but I'm very conservative. Mm-hmm. 
so they've sort of they've like switched from fundamental to conservative yes but now okay. and and i think that was in an attempt to distance from the word fundamentalist and i'm i'm mm-hmm. good i'm good with that distance personally I'll, I'll say it on the podcast um i don't like to call myself a fundamentalist i don't think i am a fundamentalist i think it's too reductive uh i think there's more to the bible than just a small handful of things that we need to consider mm-hmm. for the sake of fellowship mm-hmm. um so, I mean, for years I've been calling myself a conservative Christian, or at least thinking of myself as a conservative Christian when people ask me the question. Um, but now what we're seeing is the the more liberal among us are following us in that. They, you know, for a while they would use the word fundamentalist as an insult, and they still do. Uh, and now we've switched to using the word conservative Christian, and they're mm-hmm. following with that now. Now using that as a, as an insult, as an epithet. Um, so it's like, you almost can't get away from that kind of, um, uh, insult slinging because ultimately the issue is, is a difference, a complete difference in someone's philosophy, uh, a complete difference in someone's respect, uh, for the holiness of God. Um, Hmm. does that make sense? Uh, you lost me a little bit. You said it's become an epithet, but it's dis- it's 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 significant to you. Is that what you're saying? That because there is a the, there is a disparity uh, with those who believe it and don't believe in conservatism. Is that what you're saying? Well, what I'm saying is, if if we if we identify ourselves as fundamentalists and people start to change the the understanding of that word in culture to mean a right. bad thing. We right. shift to saying we're conservative Christians. <laughs> right. And then they start to change the definition of that word to mean a bad thing. And then yeah, let's say yeah. we, we change the word conservative to something else, you know, a laser squirrel. I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just something. It was I'm, the first thing I'm that popped in my head. squirrel yeah. Baptist. <laughs> That's right. But let's say we change it that. And then the culture will follow and they will again change right, the meaning of right. that to something else. So what is your, uh, the point there is you, are you saying that we just need to like drive to, you know, trumpet out an accurate definition of conservative or, or just that this is the evolution of society. We constantly, constantly need to be switching terms or well, what? Well, I'm not suggesting we constantly be switching terms. That, that basically is the, the nature of my question is because you see some guys that are still holding on tight to the title fundamentalist and saying, I'm not going to let you push me around and change the meaning yeah, of what right. I am. Uh, right. and, and they hold tight to it, but they lose all of their influence to speak to society. And, yeah. But then you have others who are constantly changing what they're called in order to, to stay kind of somewhat influential in society. And that can go to an opposite extreme. Yes, right. Um, that's an interesting, you know, that's a, that's a multifaceted discussion, uh, really, um, because that's why I think in some ways politicians uh, have to be good on PR mm-hmm. because they know that certain terms, certain thoughts, certain appearances carry a social understanding, whether that's accurate or not. So they try to portray themselves in a way that society sees them as the way they want to be seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and for us, it's that balance of, you know, how long do I hang on to a term? At what point is it so socially distorted that I just, I just yeah. drop it, right. you know, and then I, it, but, but 
But on a personal level, I think what it, it tells us to do is say, just engage that. Just engage it in conversation when somebody says, well, you're a conservative. Immediately take that on and just say, well, what do you mean by that? Because um, yeah. I think that's a, that's a confusing term. And maybe not on a, a, on a mass social level, which nobody's going to be able to do, uh, you know, as far as influencing everybody to, to understand accurately what's going on there. On a personal level, you'll at least sort of clear the mud up a little bit and say, oh, this is what we're talking about. Now, let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but because you, I think we think, well, the next term that comes to my mind, well, I see independent, you know, or fundamental, and then conservative. I know, biblical. Biblicist. I'm going to call myself a biblicist. Biblicist, yep. Well, you know, it's going to be a matter of years. They're going to come after that. So it's uh, now that one seems harder to come after, but I mean, yeah, the fundamentalist you even see that you know, applied to Islamics, they're fundamental, uh, you know, well, sure. extremists. And I think that's um, a deliberate tactic of Satan. Yeah. Um, but in some yeah. way, wouldn't you say that the fundamentalist Islamist is a literal interpreter interpreter of his holy books? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, and in some way, there's a parallel because. <laughs> You say, well, but they literally apply what they're okay. Well, but um, I mean, and, but that's also the way I've heard people define fundamental fundamental Christian. Um, is that they're is they that literally we interpret. literally interpret the Bible, and um, I have I have taken more to saying that I naturally interpret the Bible. Yeah, good, um, right? I understand that too. Yeah, does that make sense? See, it does make sense, but for those who are listening and don't understand the distinction of what you just said, people take issue with the literal because they'll over-apply what you mean, and they'll think that you take everything, uh, number one, you take every, maybe that you take everything literally, which obviously yeah. everything in Scripture isn't literal. It's meant to be, at times, it, it, is, it notes itself well, to be figurative. Well, the first place they often go, the first criticism is, well, you, you know, you're a fundamentalist, you, know, you, you believe in interpreting the Bible literally, but you wear modern clothes. How come you don't wear, you know, the sp- specific hems on your garments and the robes and all that? You know, basically <laughs> or, referring to like Old Testament Jewish uh, apparel. Yeah, right, right. Um, or and probably along with that, uh, to, for a hot topic, you know, it'd be like, well, you know, the, the Bible talks about stoning homosexuals. Yeah, or that you the know, earth is like, on pillars. <laughs> so you know, when somebody says you interpret it literally. Um, they're so, they sort of like hyper apply what we're talking about, and and I've heard it called plain, like a plain interpretation, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to reading a meaning into it or putting some mystical meaning to it or saying it's figurative or allegorical. It means something that it doesn't really say, and I'm the one who to t- tell you what that meaning is. We say no, it means what it says, but you obviously have to understand. The type of literature that you're reading, right. you have to understand the context of scripture, the context of history, the context of geography. So, yeah. you know, that's what we mean. But people say, "Oh, you lean literally." So I understand what you're saying. I interpret it naturally. Yeah, it's a good because I, yeah, absolutely. And good. when we read parts of the Bible that are historical, we interpret that as history. When we read it as poetry, <laughs> we interpret that as poetry. When we read something right. that's uh, an epistle, it's instructive. We read that as instruction, uh, and so forth. But, uh, you know, that's, that's why I think when, when the word fundamentalist is used, society and culture have changed the meaning of it. So we move from that to something else. Well, they're going to come after that, too, at some point. Uh, you know, then we become biblicists. Then they're, they're going to come after that, too. Uh, eventually, mm. you're going to get to a point where there's no way else you can change your name. <laughs> 
There's nothing further to go until that basically all Christians are bad. <laughs> yeah, the fact that you are a Christian means that you're you're bad, right? And so at some point, at some point, you just have to engage it. You just have to say, what it, what is it? Okay, you're using the name, but what is it that you disagree with? Yeah, you know, what is it in what I believe that you disagree with? And let's talk about yeah. that. Um, so, so to to move to the the related part of this question, if you're okay with that, unless you had something else that... Oh, yeah, no, go ahead. Okay. So since the book was on the topic of uh, the husband-wife relationship um, and uh, the idea of the, the wife being submissive to her husband, uh, that I mean, that's that phrase, that's a curse word in a lot of places today, the idea of the wife being submissive to her husband. Um, yeah, can I interrupt you real quick sure. here? Just to say, in all of our talking, and I, I may know where you're going with this, I may, I may not, but uh, it, uh, then it has to be understood while, while we're differentiating and saying, look, conservative means a certain thing, you have to understand it properly, there's still gonna, going to be a spectrum within conservatism mm-hmm. that when you label somebody conservative, it doesn't make everybody the same thing. Right. Um, it just means they're approaching the scriptures uh, uh, or, or, or approaching life a certain way. Okay, right. go ahead. Okay. I just feel like that's going to—it's good sure. to kind of be aware of that. To say, we're not defending all conservatives right. necessarily yeah. by saying that this is what we perceive conservatives to be, but it doesn't mean just because maybe I— uh, I perceive myself as conservative, and I draw my boundaries in a certain place, maybe further in than some people do. Yeah. That I don't think that other people draw them way too far in. So, so basically, what you you're know? saying is, even amongst those who call themselves conservative Christians, there's a wide divergence of of principles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not just of, of uh, not just of uh, s- standards, and I don't totally like to use that word, but not just of boundaries, but of attitudes yes. and of and of why we're doing what we're doing. Yes. So that's important to understand. Hmm. Good. But go ahead. So um, you're talking about the book specifically is about submission yeah. to and, and I think that's why the the use the use of the word conservative as an insult or an epithet was used in the reviews is because hmm. some today view the idea or concept of a submissive wife as archaic. Mm. Um mm-hmm. and my question is for wives, how submissive is too submissive? And, and it's a loaded question. I realize that. <laughs> I, I realize that. But just take it and do what you want with it. How submissive is too submissive? Is there a point at which a wife is so submissive to her husband as to essentially be uh, self-enslaving? Or, or can she be so submissive as to essentially not even be like a human anymore? Can she dehumanize herself with over-submissiveness? Is that even possible? Yes. Okay, explain. Yep. Uh, yeah, I do think that there's a, a place, obviously, um, in the Christian ideal, um, the head of the uh, wife is the husband, and the head of the husband is Christ. And so a man who's aligned himself properly under Christ um, is a man who is striving to grow spiritually, and he wants to know the Lord, and he's he's reflecting, you know, that spirituality as it relates to his leadership of the family. And that doesn't mean that he's, um, you know, he commands everything, and everybody, you know, is just boom, 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 just like that. But it means that you think about you think about the relationship of God to us, 
And yes, he's a master and he's a Lord, but at the same time, he's a father. And when you think about how God, um, and I'm going to take a little sidetrack here real quick, because think, talking about um, fathering. When you think about what God says about fathering, you, re- you have to realize that everything he says by way of instruction is totally consistent with who he is. So when he says in Ephesians 6, 4, fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's, be, it, it's it, If I could put it this way, it's to say that if God were a father, and he is, he would do the same thing. Uh-huh. So God does not provoke his children to wrath. He raises them in his nurture and admonition. So what I'm saying is that the concept of fathering or husbanding isn't I'm the military general. It's that you know, I'm a leader, but I'm a provider, and I'm a teacher, and I'm a nourisher. I don't provoke you to wrath, but I do lead you, and I do lay down instruction, and I do give you law, you know, mm-hmm. uh, forsake not the law of thy mother, uh, father, or the commandment of thy mother. So, so there is a balance there. What I'm saying is that uh, in, a, in the Christian ideal— a wife understands her role, and it works beautifully together with the role of the husband to to be very effective um, and and powerful as in as a social influence and as a family influence. But when a husband um, is not spiritual, uh, I do think it's not you know terribly outside the pale of uh, of possibility that um, that the the environment that he sets up for his wife is essentially an abusive environment mm-hmm. and or so so she either has to comply uh or get out and and i and i don't think that a woman ought to always comply number 1 i don't think she ought to be subject to abuse uh verbal or or physical correct um furthermore i don't th- i think she needs to be careful not to aid and abet abuse of the children. Um, Mm. I think a wife has to consider, by my being the good submissive wife and sticking around, is she actually enabling uh, the kids to be in the abusive environment for longer? Mm. Would it not be better if she said, you know, my, I'm going to protect my children from, from a harmful, you know, and right. I almost don't want to use the word toxic, but caustic spouse. I'm going to remove them from the situation. Have we have we broken the ideal? Yes, we have. But he broke it before I broke it, and it's something that has to be done for the safety of my family mm-hmm. because uh, they could be they could be twisted and hurt for the rest of their lives. Um, and so, but you know, the way that it's been played in quote fundamentalism for so long is. You just stick with that man. You submit to him. You well, not in every certain scenario, right. no. Good. Um, what I was thinking too is, I think we 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 hear. I, I know myself. I've heard a lot of preaching in my life of uh, what it what it looks like for a woman to step out from that submissive role, mm-hmm. and and I think that seems more natural to to understand. Um is what that would look like if, if a wife stepped out from a submissive mm-hmm. role uh, to mm-hmm. her husband. But we don't often talk about what does it look like when it goes the other way, <laughs> when when there is almost an, a, 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 again, I hate to use the word because of the way society uses it, but an actual oppressiveness. Um, 
Mm-hmm. You have to wonder what does that look like. Is it possible that there are some husbands um, who aren't the kind you know will do as I said, woman. They're not. They're not gruff. They're not caustic like that. But they can couch things in very theological and spiritual sounding terms, and they can do it very yep. gently. Yep. But still be dehumanizing their wife. Mm-hmm. Isn't that possible? Yes. And I thought uh, I think in some ways it is. Yes. I thought perhaps mm-hmm. the probably the primary way that that would manifest itself is if the wife doesn't even feel like she can offer an opinion. Mm. Not because she's wow. afraid to offer an opinion, but because she doesn't feel like it would do any good anyway. Wow. Let me back up for just a second, though, while this thought's on my mind, because I like the way you said dehumanize. And I want you to think for a minute, what does that, what does that mean to dehumanize? Uh, and, and if I could even just put it in, in this term, disrespect, because mm-hmm. what that means is when I disrespect, it means I don't acknowledge the value of something. Because respect talks about the, acknowledging the value of something. Right. So if I disrespect my wife, uh, I am not acknowledging the biblical value or her inherent God-given value. Well, Peter says that you know she's the more fragile vessel, and I, but I should dwell with her according to knowledge that she is valuable. Scripture says she's valuable all the way from Genesis. She is a help meet for him. Uh, you know, God didn't choose an animal. He chose a woman because she was, if you could put it, equal with a man. She was a a human. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A she living was soul. A help. Yes, she was a help meet for him. And when he doesn't <clears throat> acknowledge the God-given value of his wife, he is in, in some way, if we could maybe put it in that term, dehumanizing her. And that has to be recognized as ungodly. Right. That, even, has to be, that is wrong. Even if it comes in spiritual terms. Right. Yes. You can have guys that can put it in spiritual terms. Yeah. So, um, so what was your last, you said, oh yeah. So uh, if that means, and and that can look like she can't offer an opinion. And I would have to agree with you that that's at least a symptom of that mindset that, no, she doesn't have anything valuable to offer by way of thought. Or or maybe she just feels like, what's the point? I can offer my opinion. I'm not afraid to offer my opinion, but he just never listens anyway, because even mm-hmm. if my opinion's right, he feels like he has to stick with his because he's the husband. And I think it's important for men to know that to take the counsel of your wife does not mean you're yielding your authority. Right, right. And and I would and I'm going to say though to temper this a little bit, just because your husband doesn't take your advice, I wouldn't call that abuse. Correct. Um, or necessarily disrespect. You might live, honestly, you might live with a fool, um, <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're being abused and, and dehumanized quite in the way that that others are. You know what I mean? Right. Um, just to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm married to a bullheaded guy and he never listens to me, so therefore I don't have to stay here. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, it is, are you feeling that I'm no longer valuable, that God can't use me, that I really am not intelligent, that I have no value other than doing laundry and, and, and his bidding, and, and I'm, a, you know, I'm an intimacy play thing and whatever. Um, well, that's a problem. That's yeah. a big problem. But if it's just like we butt heads because I'm opinionated and he's opinionated and he doesn't take my opinion, okay, right. well, I mean, you might could work through that, yeah. you know, but... So I, I guess to, to go back to the question is for wives, how submissive is too submissive? 
for for me, the first thing that came to my mind was that she doesn't feel free to offer an opinion, either because she's afraid to, or she feels it's pointless to. Okay. Um, is there anything else, though? Can you think of anything else? Hmm. I, I like what you said uh, um, about protecting the children uh, yeah, and not, yeah. not aiding and abetting an abusive situation. I was going to say, it kind of goes back to the communication, not just as a matter of opinion, but as a communication of limits. And what I mean by that is um, a wife needs to be able to express, um, I am at capacity. I, mm. I can't take, I can't take anymore. And, and the husband needs to listen to that because... He could say, well, you know, you're, you're my, you know, you're just, you're supposed to submit and you're supposed to be my helpmeet and I'm delegating this stuff to you, namely everything, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, like you clean the house and you take care of the children and you keep the car maintained and, and you do our finances and, and you make these calls and you do this because I'm telling you to. Hmm. Well, at a certain point she needs to say, I I, I can't. I can't, or, or to be able to say, you know, to, 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 I don't, it seems like in, in my mind to kindly say, uh, you know, honey, I, number one, I can't take all this on. Or when he says, well, you make the decision, uh, should we buy this car or not? You, you, you decide, say, no, I'm not deciding. You're the leader of this family. You're the head of our home. You decide. Yeah. You know, and if there is a fear there that there would be some physical altercation or, 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 or again, an, a verbal emotional abuse, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so she needs to be able to communicate limits um, or, yeah, and, and I don't know if it, it's, it's a little bit more than what you said as far as opinion. It's, it's right. a communicating limits or even a, um, well, yeah, a limit to say I'm not going to do that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, you can't really place unrealistic expectations on your wife. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And you have to appreciate a wife who, in a godly way, and by this I mean in a, in a kind and appropriate way, the best she can, says, honey, I'm not going to make that decision um, because you're the head of our home, and I'm not, I'm not going to take that from you. Because yeah. the man can get—that can go—there there can be a guy who delegates everything and still calls himself the head of the home. There can be other guys who kind of— um, uh, maybe by attrition, if this, that's the right word, that's a good word they for could it. sort of let decisions go. Right. Well, well, she has, she has an opinion about, it. I'll just let her make the decision. Well, whatever you want, hon. Okay. Because it doesn't really matter to me. And over the, over the years, he essentially is ceding the authority of the home over to her. She's the one that tells the kids what to do. Right. She's the one that determines the schedule. She's the common. one that makes the big decisions. Yes. That is and, super common. And I think it's because our culture is that way. Uh, the the mm-hmm. the lost world around us is that way, and that culture bleeds into the Christian home many times. And for so it's it's important for opinionated women to to recognize that trap. And when he is beginning to default decisions to her, instead of going well, good because now I can assert my opinion and what I want to be, recognize what's happening to his leadership and say, "Honey, that's a decision you need to make." Mm. And yes, I have an opinion, but you've got to you've got to make the final decision on that. Excellent point. So so delegation can still be leadership, but attrition cannot be. Right. Very good. I like that. Um, wow, that was really good. Um, but I think we're at time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we are. 
yeah. we don't have time for any other questions unless you had just wanted to finish that one up or if that was but that was a great I, question I think that that's a good place to stop I think uh, yep. you kind of gave us the nugget of the day there with that delegation still being leadership but attrition is not um, that's that's a very good point that's something I think uh, if you're a husband and you're listening that's something to chew on right there Good. And of course, over delegation is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously well, leadership does involve delegation. In regards to over delegation, I think that there are sometimes where unrealistic expectations can and, and oftentimes must be foisted upon men where there's just too much work to get done. I can't get it all done at the time I need to do it. There's too much. You know, I got to work four jobs. I got to do it. There's sometimes yeah. unrealistic, unrealistic expectations placed upon men. And uh-huh. Maybe I can't prove it biblically, but I think oftentimes as men, we just got to lump that. But to place unrealistic expectations on our wives yep. just doesn't seem right to me. No. And, and, and Peter dealt with that, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, that you're, you know, she's, she's the fragile one. Yeah. It doesn't make her any less valuable. It's a different role. Right. And you need to be careful. You need to guard that. And, and that's why I think if the wife says to her husband, well, I feel like you're placing unrealistic expectations on me for the husband to turn around and say, well, you know, unrealistic expectations are placed upon me all the time. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Point being. <laughs> Point being, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you're, 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 the, you're the guy. The you're the man. That's right. Oh. <laughs> well, good. Thank you all for uh, joining us again for this episode. I'm going to tell you that we're planning on, tentatively right now, we're planning early August to have our 100th episode, and I am looking forward to it. Uh, I really am. I think it's going to be um, something unique, and we're going to uh, uh, follow some listener uh, um uh, We've had, I guess, several listener suggestions along a certain line, and I think we're going to go that way, and... Um, and it'll continue to provide some great content. Yeah, I think so. Well, if you have anything you'd like to send in to hear us uh, bounce around for a little while, you can send that in to reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com. You can send questions, comments, feedback, suggestions. Uh, just not hate mail. We're not really, uh, you know, not up for that right now. We're, <laughs> yeah, no. we're just too weak in body and spirit that we just can't can't handle hate mail. So. <laughs> We're so fragile. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) that's it for this episode. (laughs) Yeah, we're encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.